Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. I'm reading from uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 21 through 35. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to set the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Please be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Thank you, Marilyn. Good morning. We're, um, as Bill said, we're continuing with our Crossroads series. And today we're looking at the subject of forgiveness. In this passage that Marilyn just read, Peter comes to Jesus asking him a question about forgiveness. And curiously, Jesus' response, his answer is a whole lesson all about financial debt. Today we're going to look at why Jesus responds in that way, what it is that he's teaching us through that, and what the debt-canceling work of the cross means for us and for others. Jesus, in this parable tells the story of two people under the burden of debt, struggling to repay it. And I think most of us know what the burden of debt can feel like. You know, even affordable debt, 
whether it's a mortgage or a personal loan, a student loan, uh, it, something that we're just paying off slowly over time, even that can feel like a real burden. Um, a few years ago, I was doing some spiritual direction with a business owner, and he was running a pretty successful business. Things were going well. But as with many businesses, it was structured on quite a bit of borrowing from the bank. And he said to me that even though the business on the surface was going well, every night he went to bed and every morning he woke up with this weight of debt on him. And it started to rob him of joy and of life. And so in the end, after some time, he made the tough decision to actually sell the business just so that he could experience that relief from relinquishing that debt, that burden. So even affordable debt can be tough, but unaffordable debt can be a crippling burden. During COVID, our church through the Lighthouse launched a debt support service and uh, where we would come alongside people in our towns who were struggling under crippling debt, who, who needed support. And what we have often done, what we did through that time was um, seek something called a debt relief order, which would basically allow any unaffordable debt to be written off. And just in the very first year of operating in COVID, we managed to have 100,000 pounds of unaffordable debt written off. Now just imagine for those people the relief that that must have been, having that burden lifted off them. In the year 2015, the Croatian government decided to do something for the people who were struggling most in their nation. And so they identified 60,000 of the poorest people in their country. And they arranged to have all their debts written off. All 60,000 of their poorest citizens had their debts completely wiped out. Just imagine the fresh start, the relief for those people. In 2005, the international community looked to the 18 poorest countries in the world. And where a lot of them had international borrowing, they got together and wiped off 30 billion pounds of debt that those countries owed. Again, just to relieve them of that burden, that unaffordable um, debt that they had, that, that incredible weight that was sitting on them, just to free them up and give them a fresh start. Following the end of World War II, Germany kind of fell into an economic abyss. Um, you know, as well as struggling to get over the historic shame of the Nazi regime and what they'd done in the war, um, they were trying to rebuild their economy and, and got caught up in owing huge, huge debts internationally. And what the international community did was in 1953, eight years after the end of the war, they turned to this nation who had been their enemy and said to them, even with that history, we don't want to see you drown. 
And so in 1953, in something called the London Debt Agreement, they wiped off all the international debts of Germany, just set them free to have a fresh start. Think about your biggest debt. Now imagine getting a letter tomorrow morning that says your debt has been cancelled. You no longer owe anything. How good would that feel? I've been talking about some pretty large debts. Um, but do you know what the biggest debt write-off in all history has been? It took place not in the UK, but in a Middle Eastern nation. And it wasn't recently. It was actually quite a few hundred years ago. And it wasn't written off by a government, but by a single man. I'm, of course, talking about the cross of Jesus Christ. On the cross, the largest debt in all human history was written off, cancelled, forgiven. And as Christians, we, we do talk a lot about this word forgiveness. But sometimes it can become a little abstract. You know, we can think that forgiveness is, is just an attempt to forget about things. You know, or just to get over something. Maybe to brush it under the carpet or to ignore it or bury it in the garden. Forgiveness is just, just moving on. But Jesus helps us to understand in this passage that forgiveness is very much like processing a debt. Forgiveness is a clear transaction that takes place. Taking a debt and doing something to resolve that debt, to cancel it, to write it off. That's why Jesus teaches in the Lord's Prayer these words. He says, forgive us our debts as we forgive those, um, as we forgive our debtors. We, we often translate that, don't we, as like, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. But the, the original word is, is debt. And here is why forgiveness of sin is like processing a debt, the forgiveness of a debt. You see, when we sin against God, we owe him a debt. If we rebel against God, what we owe him is the allegiance we should have shown him. If we distrust God, what we owe him is the trust we should have shown him. If we reject God, what we owe him is the, the love that he was worthy of. And when God forgives us, he's not saying, don't worry about it, it's nothing. He is saying, the costly debt has been cancelled. Now, a cancelled debt is not free. 
You know, if I lend you a hundred pounds and then later come to you and say, hey, that debt's canceled, you don't need to pay me back. It costs me a hundred pounds to do that. Likewise, it has been incredibly costly to God to forgive the entire debt mountain of humanity. The Scottish theologian William Barclay put it like this. He said, divine forgiveness is costly and God alone can pay the terrible price that is necessary before men can be forgiven. Forgiveness is never a case of saying, it's all right, it doesn't matter. Forgiveness is the most costly thing in the world. This is how the Phillips translation of Ephesians 1.7 puts it. It is through the Son, at the cost of his own blood, that we are redeemed, freely forgiven, through that full and generous grace which has overflowed into our lives. On the cross, Jesus took the full debt of our sins, the penalties that we owed, and he settled those debts with his own valuable life. That is the debt-canceling work of the cross. The most precious and valuable thing in the entire universe, God's radiant, glorious, and perfect Son, was given to settle the largest ugliest debt in all the universe. Our, the entire sum of our ugly rebellion and hatred and evil. Christ settled that debt. And all the debt of adoration and surrender and obedience and trust that we owed God, Christ repaid for us in a supreme act of Adoration, surrender, obedience, and trust by giving himself up on that cross. 2 Corinthians 5 says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God took him who had no debts to embody our debt. And at the same time, his infinitely treasured value, his righteousness, became our infinitely treasured value. It was transferred to us. What an incredible transaction that has been for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, Yet for our sake he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. That is the profound transaction that takes place on the cross. We are debt free. We are the servants who owed the master 10,000 bags of gold, 10,000 talents, more debt than we could ever, ever manage to repay. And in a single act of undeserved mercy, we're all liberated from that burden. 
That is the good news of the cross. And so as we step into that, as we embrace that and receive that for ourselves, it is then time for us to walk on the crossroad to the path of living this out toward others, marked by the way of the cross, the forgiveness that we ourselves have experienced, having received the Master's unexpected mercy, canceling our debts, we turn to our fellow servants and we have the opportunity to cancel their debts too. And the same process plays out. You see, if someone insults you, what they owe you is honor. They should have honored you, but they insulted you. There's a debt. If someone betrays you, what they owe you is trustworthiness. You should have been able to trust them, but, but they, they were untrustworthy. They betrayed you, and so there's a debt. If someone lies to you, what they owed you was honesty truth. When Chris Rock made a joke about Will Smith's wife, you know, at the expense of Will Smith's wife, Will might say that what Chris owed his wife was respect. And when Will Smith got on the stage and hit Chris Rock, Chris might say what Will owed him was a sense of humor. But there's a debt there, isn't there? They both feel wronged, and they both feel the other owed them something. And when we choose to forgive a person, we're essentially saying, that thing you owe me, I'm no longer considering outstanding. I'm canceling that debt. I'm forgiving the debt. And this is so different to the cancel culture we live in, where when someone makes a mistake, we cancel the person, we write the person off. What Christ calls us to do is instead to address the debt, to cancel the debt, not the person, to deal with that. That said, you know, canceling a debt may or may not mean you still relate to that person. Uh, you know, a company can write off a bad debt and still decide not to do business with that person in future because they're not trustworthy. And in the same way, you know, we're not saying that forgiving someone means returning to a toxic or dangerous situation or relationship. The transaction of writing off the past debt can still be followed by making a wise choice about whether or not you still kind of remain in business with that person. I just want to take a few minutes to share a personal example of processing that debt, forgiving. When I uh, grew up, I, my father, I had a very, very difficult relationship with my father. He, he was aggressive, he was bullying, he was punitive, he was unpredictable. Um, and uh, I, I won't go into loads of detail now, I've shared a bit about it before, but uh, safe to say it wasn't a happy childhood growing up with them. It was a difficult relationship that I experienced there. 
And as a young man, I, I carried loads of unforgiveness towards my father. Because what I had needed from him was love and encouragement, protection, provision. But instead, there was this huge deficit, you know, a debt that he owed me of that love and, and, and that encouragement and the protection and the provision. That was like a debt that was outstanding. And carrying that debt, that unforgiveness around, was, was very messy. You know, it made me insecure. It made me angry. Um, it even made me look to, to other f authority figures in my life, to bosses and leaders, and, and project those needs that I'd had onto them, hoping that they would in some way settle the debt my father owed me, give me those things he owed me. And then I'd, of course, feel let down when they didn't somehow meet that unreasonable ex uh, expectation of them. And the truth was that carrying the burden of, of that unforgiveness was way more damaging to me than it was to my father. In fact, he was probably oblivious to the fact that I was carrying this around, that he owed me that debt. It was toxic in my life. I've heard it said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to get sick. It just is toxic in us, and we suffer when we don't forgive someone. And so forgiving my father was much more than me just simply saying, oh, well, never mind, forget about it. I'll move on. I don't care. Forgiving him involved me saying, those debts that he owed me, I no longer consider them outstanding. The love, the encouragement, the protection, the provision, each of those debts, I'm canceling. I'm writing them off. It involved me like tearing up that slip of paper in my mind and, uh, and just putting those outstanding debts aside. It involved me saying to myself, from now on, I will never go to my father and say or think, hey, you still owe me those things. That is forgiveness. It's canceling the debt, stopping looking for that debt to be settled. Now, to be clear, forgiving my father never meant that things improved with him. He actually died some years ago without any significant change. But I had stopped holding on to the bitterness and the resentment. I wasn't burdened in the same way. I wasn't carrying around that debt. And I could begin to look to God to meet those needs and fill in those gaps that had been left by my childhood experience. The musician Sting has a song called Dead Man's Rope, where he describes holding on to unforgiveness as being like walking around with a tombstone on your back in circles marked by emptiness and anger and sorrow. And you know, there's been loads of research into the impact of holding on to unforgiveness. Scientists have shown that it actually releases damaging hormones and chemicals into your system 
adversely affecting your, your metabolism, your immune system, your organ function. It strains your heart. It ages you prematurely. That's scientifically what holding on to unforgiveness is. Holding on to those debts does to you. And prolonged resentment has even created a new term called post-traumatic embitterment disorder, PTED. It's a feeling of injustice and these disturbing memories that can cause depression and anger and rage. And Sting, in his song, Dead Man's Rope, talks about the healing effect of finally coming to a point of no longer walking away from Jesus' love. But, but instead allowing what he calls the rain of forgiveness to wash through his memories and set him free. Don't we all need that? Don't we all need to experience the liberating power of forgiveness? The forgiveness of God releasing us from our debts to him. The forgiveness of others where we've wronged them. And the forgiveness we give to those who have wronged us, who have hurt us. Releasing them from the debts they owe us, which in effect releases us too. Carl Menager, the famed psychiatrist, said that if he could convince patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out the next day. Not long before she died in 1988, the, the uh, famous secular humanist, uh, Margarita Lasky, uh, said in a television interview, just in a moment of surprising candor, she said, what I envy about you Christians is your forgiveness. I have nobody to forgive me. There's a Spanish story about a father and a son who become estranged. And uh, the father becomes desperate after months of no contact and trying to locate his son in, in a last desperate move, he puts an advert into a Madrid newspaper uh, that reads this, says, Dear Pedro, meet me in the front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. On Saturday at midday, 800 Pedros turn up seeking forgiveness from their father. We all long to receive forgiveness. We all long to experience that. And in this passage from Matthew 18 that we've looked at, Jesus says that true forgiveness is from the heart. And by that he's saying it's, it has to be meaningful. It has to be sincere, authentic, not just a surface level thing. True forgiveness impacts the center of who we are. It sets our hearts free. Now, I'm very aware today, talking about forgiveness, that it's, it's a big subject. It's sometimes quite complex, and I can't cover it all in this short time. I'm just shining a spotlight on a few key points from this passage. But if you'd like to dig a bit deeper, Peter Burton and Josh Heather are organizing a theology night on April the 13th, looking at the whole subject of atonement and what the cross does for us. So if you want to find out more then, uh, or dig into it a bit more, then please attend that. Or it'll be an excellent evening. But before I finish, I just want to look at one more piece. And that is 
forgiving ourselves. Sometimes the hardest person to forgive is me, is ourselves. When we know the mistakes we've made, the pain that we have caused others, the enormous debts we've accrued with others, we can really struggle to move beyond it. When I was a kid, about eight years old, my best friend Carl and I were playing with his younger sister. And we, we found this huge pile of soil that had been made by a digger. It was like a virtual mountain, a hill, huge pile of soil. And we started messing around. We made little bases in this huge mound of soil on either side, me on one, Carl on one, and his sister on another. And we started like the equivalent of a snowball fight, but with mud, throwing these clumps of mud over at each other, trying to sort of land on each other's bases. And we were having a great time, lots of laughter. And at one point, I picked up a, a clump of mud and hadn't realized there was a, a tree root sticking out of it. And I, I threw it over at Carl's sister Lisa's base. And right at the wrong moment, she stood up. And this clump of mud struck her right in the face and cut a deep, deep gash across her cheek. Her mother came, rushed her off to hospital, and she needed many stitches to, to uh, repair the wound. And ever since, she has lived with this deep scar across her face. Uh, over 40 years later, I'm still in touch with the family. And Lisa still carries this prominent scar on her face that I put there. Many of us have wronged others, have left deep emotional and psychological scars through our own brokenness and foolish behavior. You know, Jesus' words on the cross, forgive them, Father, they don't know what they're doing, are so true. We've done stuff through our, thoughtful, our thoughtlessness, our stupidity, our immaturity, our selfishness, our ignorance. We didn't know what we were doing, and yet it's wounded and scarred others. Sometimes we thought we did know what we were doing. We made conscious choices, but now we deeply regret them. If that's you, struggling to forgive yourself, then I want to encourage you to reach out to God and reach out to others to work out how to apply that debt-canceling work of the cross in your life and to walk with the freedom of the crossroad.